music. It's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large amount We're back. <laughs> Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large man appears.com. I'm your party host, your early access on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as I am every week, by my faithful co host, Stagger Lee Malone. Hey! I'm How are back, you, buddy? Back on Thunder. Yeah. I'm good. I'm I'm happy to be back. I mean, I wasn't happy watching the show, but I'm happy to be back on this show. Yeah, you're happy to be back on the show, but overall you're worse for <laughs> being back in the churn. Yeah. Uh, typical me to come back on a taped thunder. Yeah, yeah. Or well, so- you, you had your nice gentle kind of like eased you back in. We, you know, we had uh, Kieran LaFour helping us out mm-hmm. on the Bash at the Beach. Horrendous fucking pay-per-view, yes. but I think one of our best podcasts. Oh yeah, very, very enjoyable. Yeah, um, um, go back and check that one out. Nearly three hours, nearly ran as long as the pay per view, majorly just burying the pay per view. And it was somehow more coherent, and you could probably get more joy out of watching our podcast than you would the Hardcore Battle Royal. Uh, I would say so. I would. I. I would say it's not even close, really. Um, but yeah, how how has your week been? It's good. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a week since we talked. No. Well, I guess, you see, we're recording this a little early, and we did do the pre-pre-show. We did. As that, we that, often that's do. That's what it was, yeah. That's that's what really caught us up. Yeah, um, for but, people who only kind of, like, download us at the podcast app or, you know, don't follow us on social media or anything like that, you really should at WCW Thunderpod uh, on Twitter because for all the AEW pay-per-views and a select couple of non-AEW pay-per-views, uh, we go live the hour before the pre-show to just, like, shoot the breeze, do some predictions, talk about some snacks and stuff to, like that. Have some fun. 
yeah chat with whoever's in the the live chat and stuff like that it's always a good time and sunday was no exception that's that, that video is archived uh, at largemanappears.com as well so you can go check that out if that's your kind I've, of bag i've actually noticed our youtube views have been going up steadily so there are people yeah. that literally just check us out on youtube yeah uh we'd appreciate it um and and, and if I'll, if you do and throw a comment in because i do check the comments yeah i am going to be getting better at replying to the comments because yeah. twitter's a fucking hellscape so i'd rather talk yeah. anywhere else than twitter yeah i think like now we'll have the 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 normal communication routes restored where you're good at replying to comments on i think we'll probably switch it up now that you are trying to stay away from the bird app as much as mm-hmm. possible so maybe i'll be replying to people on twitter you could do patreon and we'll both remain terrible at dm response <laughs> yeah dms aren't our, aren't our uh our forte but no particularly no. i don't want to i don't speak for you but particularly me i'm, I'm very bad at yeah. it um if you do want to talk to us more than anything the discord the OW Discord is the place to get us. Yeah, we do, and we have like um, we have the Discord. The I know I do anyway. The Days of Thunder channel set up to mm-hmm. notify me when anyone's talking in there, so I actually see people in the Days of Thunder Discord sooner than I'd see my own DMs. Um, and we, we, so, yeah, of course, that's... we had the, we had the great Joe Gagney in there today, so you know you never know yeah, who's yeah. going to show up in that Discord. Ah, uh, we are the, I mean, all the, the galaxy stars. of stars. All the stars are here. <laughs> R.I.P. Norm. Um. Hey, a couple of bits I wanted to talk about before we got into it. Uh, I'm not going to go hugely into it because it's not really the venue and I have another podcast platform to talk about something like this, but uh, I spent a little bit this afternoon playing the AEW game. Oh, did you? Yeah, Fight okay. Forever. So the early access was today. I think tomorrow is general release. Yeah, I, I'd love to be getting it right now, but it's not in the in the stars for the moment, but I will pick it up at yeah. some stage. Yeah, um, I know a couple of friends of mine on PlayStation had been playing it because I could see that. I don't know, like, what sort of uh, black magic, time zone, hopping juju Jamie O'D has got working. But, like, whenever there's a game I want to play, even if I hop on exactly when it unlocks, it's like Jamie O'D has played this game. Listen, listen, Jamie O'D has an untold amount of sources in every industry. That that man is well-connected connected like the fucking mob yeah legend legend of a man if you see him i think he, i think he's going to all in is he oh i should imagine so yeah yeah uh hope to see him great friends it's three years yeah. since any of us have seen each other <laughs> so that's gonna be that's gonna be a time but uh yeah so i <laughs> that's that i wanted to just mention quite briefly like just some very early impressions um i think and this is seems to be the overwhelming consensus from people in our kind of space who play games um is that if you wanted another no mercy for all its upside and downside that's what you've got yeah like the the minute to minute gameplay it it's very satisfying it it feels good to mm-hmm. play in a way that's like so the controls aren't similar the um to to no mercy there's loads of stuff that's way different for no mercy but there's like a an an intangible feel to it that's yeah. very similar and it does have the same momentum bar as no mercy and all the aki games as well mm-hmm. so that's that'll be really familiar to you um the problem is that like it's 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 a great fundamental gaming experience with very little to do yeah um so like there's the exhibition mode which has got a bunch of stuff in it um 
to, to give you an example of how limited the modes are, I was shocked that like a staple that was even managed to be in No Mercy, there's no cage match. Uh, well, in it, I it's mean, got the it's got the ladder match. It's got um, Jesus, does it have blood and guts? I think it has blood and guts. I mean, cage matches uh, aren't exactly a AEW staple. There's only been like three in the company's history. No, but like you think in terms of graphically, you think it's an easy one to whack up there. Um, mm. so so they don't have that. Um. I haven't done the road to elite, which is like the career mode, but like I, I'm told that's not like the most in-depth career mode you'll ever see in your life. Um, the online mode I haven't fucked with. Like I'm literally still learning how to play the game. I know people who are super into their creator wrestlers are a bit disappointed with how limited the creation suite is. <sighs> the roster is kind of small and as is the case with a lot of these games, um, the WWE games have suffered from them in the past as well as that like the roster is either a bit outdated or like at least the gear is so like for example chris statlander is still in like the alien theme gear from before her most recent injury and cody rhodes is in the game um and you know a few other bits and pieces like that um so i i like these all these problems to me are just kind of they're not going to bother me because from what i can tell and what everything i've read is this isn't going to be a yearly release. This is going to be no. a game that is updated constantly. You're going to get... Yeah. The, the one comparison I have is Fortnite. From obviously playing with Connor. Yeah. So you're going to have season passes. You're going to have yeah. microtransactions. Maybe to get wrestlers every other week. Or yeah. things like that. There's, I, I have a feeling it's going to be season pass. Plus there's just the way it's set up. There's like a store in the game. Mm-hmm. But it's all the in-game currency yes. you get from doing matches, unlocking challenges. Mm-hmm. So you might pay your like whatever it is for the season pass. And then like you you kind of you unlock then. So I unlocked Cody. Um, there's alternate gear for the books. There's move sets for your creator wrestler and I, stuff like that. I believe that. it's 100. You have to win 100 games or play 100 games to get own heart unlocked. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah. Like there's yeah yeah so like i'm totally cool if you keep adding that and you add modes like somebody did some data mining during the week and found out there's like an online 30 man stadium stampede fortnite style stadium stampede yeah yeah uh, i played a couple of the mini games they're little fun ones um but again not like hugely beefed out there's only five of them at the moment but i played like there's one which is like a chip collection where like the double or nothing style chips are dropping into the ring and you have four wrestlers in the ring and you're trying to run around and collect all the stuff um so you're trying to knock them out of the ring or like uh just disable them with a move while you're collecting things and there's like chips and then there's chips that speed you up chips that slow you down and randomly bombs will drop into the ring as well Um, okay that that actually sounds pretty fun there's one that's like uh an AEW trivia contest and it's like fastest finger first so like the the quicker you answer the question you use all the face buttons to answer the quicker you answer the question uh the more points you get Mm -hmm. um that's fun i like the character models the character models are like they're riding that line between in some ways they're realistic but they're like cartoony like the proportions are slightly exaggerated mm. um of of the limbs and the head and the stuff like that that's cool um there's a couple of the where they do the headshots of the the, the pre-rendered things where a couple of them have been done no favors oh really <laughs> but like there's a couple of them that are really funny um but other than that like it's again it's kind of like you said it really depends on what you're sitting down to try and get out of it like 
one thing that I think future releases should look at is doing something like uh, the WWE games have that universe mode that's like a procedurally mm-hmm. generated uh, where you can pick one wrestler or you can be booking the shows yeah, and it yeah. all just kind of like randomly just, generates. Just over the space of a calendar year or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and for people who like that kind of stuff, there's a huge amount of depth and places you can go with it. And um, yeah, something like that. I see, because I don't like... Career mode is all well and good in wrestling games, but it's like with the exception of I think here comes the pain. I played a huge amount of the career mode in that. That that um, was a never ending career mode, though, wasn't it? That was kind of the forerunner yeah, to a universe. Yeah. yeah. Um. I never really like. I played through the ones in No Mercy to just unlock the stuff, mm. but I never really like. It wasn't my favorite thing. It was the exhibition or playing against my mates or something like that, and that's it's got that in space and i think that's where it's gonna know? where it's gonna like outdo wwe games is gonna be played yeah. with friends and played online Fu- yeah fundamentally it reminds me very much of the divide in uh, i'm sorry to my american friends that i will immediately lose with this comparison but the fifa versus pro evo experience mm-hmm. where like fifa is the wwe 2k games it is the wrestling simulation experience it looks so realistic to what presentation of wrestling is but it's not fun to play yes Whereas Pro, and this is back in the day, I'm a FIFA player now, but this is back in the day. Whereas Pro Evo was the more arcadey experience that was focused less on realism and I'm more playing, on are you football. having fun yes. with the controller in your hand? Yeah. Um, and it definitely does have that in spades. And yes, immediately the, tra- the, the training match I did to teach myself was uh, Punk versus Omega <laughs> uh, because they should give me the book. <laughs> Get over yourselves, make some money. That's what I say. Um, anyway, speaking of get over yourselves and make some money, I wanted to get your brief thoughts. We did a pre-pre-show about it, so we need to get the, the post-post thoughts about it. <laughs> um, uh, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view happened this past Sunday, and a bar had been set last year, an injury-plagued show that somehow managed to be show of the year. Uh, and I think, Lee, it over-delivered again. I, I think this was a, just a phenomenal show. There's only one match I can point to that I didn't enjoy. I'm probably right around the same with you. I thought this, this show was... I thought this show had very unrealistic expectations. Mm. And I think it's very much a case of where it matched... La- like at, I think we said it was Joe Lanza that said it this show could match last year's show and people will be disappointed. And I think that's exactly what happened. Um, I thought Osprey Omega was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, just unreal. I, I I, don't know. Like, I think it beat the doll match. I don't know. I just think it was fucking fantastic. Um, I, I'm kind of in the camp of people who are like... I don't think, I think the the, the Don Callis stuff kind of took a little bit off it for me. Mm, I get I'm that. Not, I, I'm not in the camp of going full on the people who are like uh, throwing the baby out with the bat water because of, for example, the screwdriver spot or the tiger driver spot. I'm not, I'm not docking it for that. But like of the two main events, I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, the... The, the Callus stuff, I understood they had to serve that ongoing storyline, but was a little bit much for me. Yeah, I get that. Um, to me, it, it didn't even play into the finish. It was just literally a false finish of, oh, you think this is going to be the finish? And it wasn't. Um, I thought Danielson um, uh, Okada was, again, very, very good to great. Um, 
especially when you realise that Brian Danielson had a broken arm for 10 minutes. Yeah, um, right. Putting him in danger for Wembley. Ah, he'll be at Wembley. The man wrestled with a fucking no eye socket against Morishima. I think he'll he'll wrestle at Wembley okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. He didn't have Bree uh, looking after him then. He was a bit more reckless. Bree knows what she's doing posting that picture. Don't worry. Um, yeah, I, I've thought out Danielson will be at Wembley. Um, yeah, I thought that was a, another great match. Wasn't quite match of the year, but you could tell they were leaving a lot of stuff on the table. That That's going to be a rematch at some point, whether it's in AEW New Japan, fucking Rev Pro, I don't care. Yeah. It, it'll be must I, watch. I, I feel like one of the stories, and I hope this is the way they go with it, because I don't know if you had this feeling, um, but I felt that this was an Okada match mm-hmm. in terms of its structure. And I have a feeling that the story is Okada comes to AEW and Brian out-wrestles him in an Okada match. And then Brian comes to New Japan and Okada out-wrestles him in a more Brian-style match. Yeah. And then the rubber is I, somewhere else. I think when, when they do the match in New Japan, whether it's the Dome or wherever they end up doing it, I think that's going to be a much more... I think it'll be a much more hard hitting match. I think this match yeah. was very much a slow pace kind of. Yeah, yeah. They had they had a couple of moments where they threw threw bombs, but I think the next time they wrestle, it'll be much more fucking. What, what they seem to be getting tickled by, is subverting expectations mm-hmm. in this because, again, I came on the the pre pre show and I was like, I'm not into them doing an Okada forty minute match. And then they did, it wasn't a 40-minute match, but they did an Okada match. And it was about as much as I'm going to get into an Okada match. I fucking loved it. Like, it's yeah. right up there alongside. I'd need to rewatch both um, to see which one I rate higher of the two main events. Because, like, even though um, Omega Osprey was all action and stuff like that, as well as the Kala stuff, I feel like Brian Danielson and Okada are more my type of guy. Yeah. That, that, and that's fair yeah, in terms of what I like so it'd be interesting to see but then uh, in terms of subverting expectations as well as it being the kind of match we didn't expect Okada taps yeah of all the outcomes nobody I don't think I don't think anybody in the world predicted Okada would tap for the first time yeah. in nearly a decade yeah Um, and the, I have to say the camera work was spot on because they literally switched to the camera behind Okada and within about three seconds, you see the hand happen on the boot. That was yeah. just great, great work. Um, the rest of the show, like, look, I don't think there was a bad match other than the six-man in between the two main events. Yeah. The six-man, I think, is, like, uh, for me, that came down to, like, Sting getting fucked up twice Yeah, uh, in that match. Like, I don't think, I don't think it was going to be a show-stealer. I also think it was in a position where it was going to die on its I arse. I was just going to say, I think its position on the card gave it did it no favours, and then Sammy yeah. fucking Guevara nearly murdering Sting twice, T- two times. That's he's he's beaten Seth Rollins' record like, for nearly murdering Sting in the ring. Just an absolute dumb fuck. Like seriously, yeah, yeah, horrendous. Like you should not be planning a springboard cutter spot with a sixty-three yeah. year old Sting. Yeah, I, I, I would put a little bit more of the blame on the 6.30 spot on Sting. Because I think, like, Sting really overestimated his ability to get off the yeah, table on time that, for that. That's fair enough, but come on. The cutter is all all Sammy. Um, but yeah, I thought the show was really good. Um, I I thought the, the, the books 
um, oh, uh, uh, like that that to me is the best the Pemon NPC. tag you'll ever see yeah yeah it was it was fabulous um, God, what else up and down the show I thought there was some really good stuff and we're heading in really good directions off it as well I thought the four way was great I was very unsure about how that four way was going to go as much as I enjoy and, and think all four men are very talented um, I thought it again over delivered um, I, th- I think they're, they're still going towards Garcia and mm. um, Orange, which seems yeah. to be a direction for oh, they, it's happening tonight. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a six it looks man like, tag, is it? Yeah, um, but he's he, it's who's going to partner with Orange Cassidy because mm. the best friends and Bandido are all out of the country at the moment. Ah, okay, it wasn't uh, that. best friends legitimately are stuck in Paris right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're promoting the game in Europe, and apparently they missed their flight or their flight got delayed or something like that. They weren't going to be back on time, but they're they're still in Europe. Well, consi- um, considering to- Tony is definitely in the little segment where the challenge was laid out by Garcia. Tony was very clear that Bandido, Trent, and Chucky T are not there. Okay. Fair enough. Um. So interested. Uh. They, we've also got the the announcement for Grand Slam, so it'll be interesting to see uh, where we're going there. Uh, something in terms of, I thought the um, the women's title match was was quite enjoyable as well. I think again, like we said in the pre-show, huge credit to Tony Storm for turning around a an absolute shit show of a gimmick that that Outcast thing is now very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward. I'm giddy with the possibility. Did you see the match that was announced for New Japan next week in the United States? Julia and Willow. Willow, yeah. It's, so it's, in, the United is States. In, the... it's in the Japan. Oh, is it in Japan? Yeah, it's, the, the, it's, it's New Japan Strong, which is the American brand. But they're but going they're over two there. Shows in Corrigan. Ah, yeah. Because I know Julia's been talking a lot about coming over to the States lately. And I was just like, oh, please. Please get her on a show, Tony. Come on. <laughs> if, you, if you can't have a. Uh, Mercedes, maybe you get Julia and Jamie Hayter in, in Wembley. Oh, yeah, I'd be down for that. I'd be down for that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, should we get on with it? Talk about Thunder? <sighs> I suppose. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose the, the cliff notes before we even like properly introduce the show. This was a phenomenally boring episode of Thunder. This committed the cardinal sin that Thunder can commit. It was not good enough to be noteworthy, nor was it bad enough for us to like just go ham on it like we did Bash at the Beach. Yeah. It was the most tedious and forgettable entry of this show in months. I think some of the matches were just awfully put together. Like it's just like there's people on this show that we haven't seen for a year, maybe. Like, where's Bobby Eaton come from? Uh, also, I, now this is my first time watching Bobby Eaton on the show since I started listening to it all the time, but I'd like to thank the Deadlock podcast for ruining the name Bobby Eaton for me. And people who listen to that podcast will know why. I don't need to get into it. Um, but yeah, it's it, just a like a hideously boring show where... Um, it feels like every match happened in this paradox where I'm looking at the times of the matches... And they're only a few minutes long, mm-hmm. but every match felt like it was about twenty minutes on this show. Yes, it did. Um, and there's there's one standout example which we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, like 
I, I, I watched this like literally the first notes I have is full thunder intro and then I went it, I came to a realisation as soon as they went to the crowd shots I went oh fuck is this a taped episode it is isn't it fuck this company taped tape before the pay-per-view yeah because then it jogged in my mind that Kieran had mentioned it's the second part of the taping following up the pay-per-view mm-hmm. oh I mean, it'll be way be it'll be way past news by the time the show goes up. Oh, there's cats killing each other out in my street. Um, but uh, <laughs> the uh, Orange Cassidy has found partners in Keith Lee and Vikingo. What? Yeah, <laughs> because of course. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you taking time to process that? Okay. Um. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to rock. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but anyway, back on point. Um, you mentioned about the show being kind of weirdly put together. Yeah. Um, and I feel like something we will talk about um, is how every match felt like the most, you know, the day before you go on holidays from work. Where you're just completely like just you might as well be off already for the amount of work you're doing, and every match like I think I I I think by the main event I just stopped taking notes of actual things that were (laughs) happening because I'm just like they're just doing like the most basic (laughs) training. It's funny you say that because I pretty much did the same. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, like I get progressively more vague as we go through the show in terms of what I've written down. Um, but look, let's get into it. This is Thunder 71, Birmingham, Alabama, 14th of July, 1999, uh, 2.1 rating. Oof. Last week was a 2.8. Now, this is, uh, it's as a we Wednesday. find out very quickly, yes. it's a Wednesday night Thunder, but still, like, that's that's a, the hell of a hole blown in the rating there, down to 2.1. Um, we are hot on the heels, allegedly. Of Bash at the Beach uh, with this pre-taped Thunder. Um, and I got to say one thing uh, that I know was very early doors is the audio mixing on this show oh is the God. most we're clearly in the studio of all time. Like literally Tanay sounds like he's in a sound booth with nobody else. Yeah. And then yeah. the actual audio mixing on the show itself is fucking oh. atrocious. And I can't even blame the WWE Network because it's not like the moments where the mix is really bad isn't like it's mixing really bad over WWE dubbed music to get rid of the license stuff. It's no, this is clearly like WCW, just like everybody in the company was phoning it in this week. Just so fucking bad. Yeah. Uh, we go straight into the action, if you want to call it that. Uh, our first match is Van Hammer versus Vampiro. Uh we get the update that Kieran had given us on Bash at the Beach that the belt had changed hands again, mm-hmm. not 24 hours removed from Bash at the Beach. Um, Hogan is now the champ, and we would see more on that later. Um, they talk a little bit about it here. They say he was, after winning it, immediately challenged again by Nash, who saw what happened with Savage and then Hogan as basically him handing the belt to Hogan a second time. Hogan accepted and the so it's so funny. The big plug for you to stay tuned tonight to Thunder isn't that either man is going to show up or even speak in a pre-taped segment. It's good <laughs> it's gonna be that they will announce on commentary 
because they can't do it in the mm-hmm. studio because they can't do it in the arena because it's before the pay-per-view. They're going to announce over commentary uh, the day and date of the Hogan versus Nash match. Be still my beating fucking heart. Which is so fucking stupid. Like, how difficult is it to record a 45-second backstage promo with Mean Gene and Hogan? Or J.J. Dillon. Like, if you, if, even if Hogan and Nash aren't arsed. Like, just get somebody. Bischoff is back on TV. Yeah. Announcing stuff left, right and centre on Nitro. Fucking as refereeing things on Nitro. He seems to be like the, like he's just running a music festival within WCW at the moment, but has no real power. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't forget he was beaten for his power. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, by the way, if you like people being beaten for their power, um, stay tuned. No, it's, it's going to be happening a lot. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's what's happened as the entrances are happening. Uh, Hammer in the ring uh, slams Vampiro to the mat very quickly, wearing uh, the blue variant of his no peace singlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he slams Vamp- uh, Vampiro down, and then uh, he runs directly into a couple of Vampiro arm drags. The thing I didn't like about this, and it becomes a pattern, is that they start circling each other. Then they are pacing a five-minute match like they're going twenty. <laughs> Do you mean they're doing the slow standoff? They're hoping for the crowd to get into this, and they're not uh, another running theme of the night. I, I've, me- uh, I've mentioned this on the Bash at V show. I genuinely think Van Hammer is the worst wrestler in all of North America in 1999. Uh, he might be, but I'll tell you what, that the match that comes after this is really going for that title. Both men in it, maybe. Mm. Um. So I could not deal with the pacing of this match because, like, I knew it was going to be, like, a five-minute match. But, like, they were going at it like they were really trying to conserve energy. Um, it's weird, isn't it, Lee, still, like, at this stage in 99, seeing Vampiro without the paint? That 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 was going to be my first thing. He has the, he has the tights down now. He has some yeah. a variant of the tights he would have um, when he's, you know, a pushed act. But, yeah, he still has no paint, and it's still a little bit suspect to me. Um, it's it's suspect to me because like he's got a fucking sick ass tan, <laughs> like it's like that man has got his WrestleMania tan on. That's his natural color. Maybe he's been told he's he's uh, getting that push, but um, yeah, we we didn't mention that Vamp wrestled Conan on Nitro in the match that would have drawn fucking millions in Mexico was just given away yeah. on Nitro. <laughs> yeah, didn't draw flies on Nitro and not their fault and got a non finish. Yeah great stuff we do see a little clip of it later on mm-hmm. because they're clearly trying to fill 10 minutes and just do let's just show like every session sto- of every story from angle that happened on, on nitro yeah yeah uh so uh spin kick knocks uh van hammer out of the ring he gets pissed at that though and he just gets in and starts wailing on vamp but he's doing like it's almost like he had been potatoed or something because he's doing these little kicks that aren't they don't look like wrestling kicks uh he it just looks like a little pissed boy having a tantrum yeah just throwing out punches and kicks wailing on vamp um uh, larry uh on commentary larry zabisco has a a 30 second period he's horrible all night Mm -hmm. yet again i know this isn't going to shock anybody absolutely horrible but there's a 30 second spell in here which he in which he calls vamp vampiro he calls him a vampire he calls this vampire guy yeah, but then Vampiro mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and then pivots from Vampiro to calling Mickey J fat for no yeah, reason at all. all 
Uh, referee Mickey J there looks like he's gained a few pounds. Fucking asshole. <laughs> Fucking dick. Because he knows Mickey J is too smart to watch this show. Do, do you think, do you think Mickey J beat him on the golf course and that's why he's taking shots? Or beat him to like the last chicken cutlet in catering uh, earlier. That's, that's equally still... possible, yeah. Yeah. Um, so chops in the corner from Van Hammer and a choke toss off the top as Larry struggles to pretend he knows anything about any of the feuds on the show. There's like this great, like the bluster of Larry Zabisco is something I ironically enjoy because Tanay will go in the weeds about like the tension between two men on the roster. Um, they'll talk about, you know, Flair and he, you know, he, they mentioned various points at, at the night about the, the Flair and Sting feud mm. um, that's going on now as of Nitro. And today we'll explain the history of Flair and Sting, and then you'll get like a beat of a pause. And then, yeah, well, uh... <laughs> doesn't Larry <laughs> at like one he... stage talk about him versus uh, Hanson or something? Yeah, he's oh, he's mad libbing the whole thing, and it's like there, there's sometimes where it's like, oh, he doesn't know who these wrestlers are that today are talking about, and then there's sometimes where it's like, okay, like. He knows who Ric Flair is, yeah. but he still somehow doesn't know anything about what's Actually, going on. Actually, I know on. what it was. They come back from a break later in the show, yeah. and there's like 15 seconds of silence as the camera is panning the arena, <laughs> and then the next thing you just yeah. get uh, Larry cutting in with, yeah, I faced Henning in, in, uh, in Rockport, Illinois, and those people on Monday are in for a real treat. Gonna see some history. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. what the fuck is going on with this fucking sound editing? He like, here's the thing, and I I think we've said it before on the show is that time, time has thankfully been kind in most cases, but there's a lot of people that still hold up the opinion that uh, two teams in particular, Cole and Taz and Tanay and Don West mm-hmm. were not good, right? There's a lot of people that think that that thought it at the time and still think it incorrectly. Yes. I think it's even more maddening that people thought that at the time when this is the era they've just come out of. Now, I know on WWE you've got, like, you know, peak Jim Ross with Jerry Lawler, and that's what people remember from the time. Mm -hmm. But WCW commentary was all over the fucking shop. And to to be fair, WWF commentary outside of JR and Lawler wasn't good either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got what like so Cornet, this is Shane McMahon ninety nine. So Cornet, oh Shane McMahon. Um, who else? Kevin Kelly. Was there ever Kevin a more Kelly snake bit? Not to the standard he would become. No. Were was there ever a more snake bitten game to come out than WWF Attitude that happened to be in development when Shane McMahon was the commentator? Oh. So Shane McMahon is on commentary on that game. So ah, uh, uh, horrible. Um. But yeah, it's just mad that those teams like get a lot of, uh, get a lot of pelters and yeah, like you're even describing in in WWF at the time how like outside of Jim Ross the commentary was bad. Oh yeah, cuz like this is Jim Ross has just returned a couple months ago, so we had like squeaky voiced Michael Cole for yeah. about 6 months yeah. uh up until WrestleMania. Um so like it's a it's a horrible period and in WCW's case it just gets worse because like we're only now seeing Heenan proper start to throw in the towel and Tony as well. Um, Tanae, God bless him, like is not at the standard he would be to be able to carry a broadcast. He can't carry a whole broadcast team. Look, he he wasn't going to get the respect in WCW even if he could. No, even when he was the third guy on the original lineup of Thunder, like he was just getting slagged off relentlessly for being a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he was never getting it. Um, like he, the respect, like he would as the lead man with TNA. Um, 
But yeah, that that was just something that kind of like struck me uh, during this this Larry segue. Um, now, in fairness, I think he got through the whole first match without mentioning the golf course, did he? I, I, you know, I can't recall, so I'll just I'll give him credit and say sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we find out again that the lads tell us that Sting versus Flair for the presidency happens on Monday. I nearly switched off the show. <laughs> Fucking Sting. I was just like what did I write I wrote something on Twitter when I was watching this about how like WCW has these dead horses that they constantly flog and so NWO family drama was going from before Thunder through when we started watching Thunder and it's only kind of quietened down a little bit recently and the black uh, even though we just found out recently that they're still there but uh I was saying that, like, currently where we are in 99, right, there's three dead horses. Number one is who is in control of WCW. Number two is who drove the Hummer. And number three is, no, but who really is in control? <laughs> like, they cannot fucking help themselves. It's like, it's literally Blute Enterprises. Yeah. Oh, God. Solid as a rock. <laughs> But that that's what it is. It it's literally yeah. eight different bosses. Mm. Um so Vamp fires back and it's a punch kick special from him as well. Uh crowd whole night apart from one match, deathly silent. Yes. Uh because <laughs> I was obviously already annoyed. This is a back and forth of moves with no story whatsoever. Like what was the story of this match? Gun to my head, I couldn't tell you. You know, it's two men are having a match is the story of the match do you know what's funny though what Van Hammer was gone from this match into a pay-per-view title match yeah 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 and, and in the chronology of TV this is how they kind of like oh, now, followed up now, the pay-per-view title now, match now he's on a losing streak apparently yeah 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 it's mental. It's like that was his tune up in terms of like actual real time for him. Mm-hmm. And it's how you're playing off. Like I would have given him a strong win here if they were going to do something. But they like, they, I, I think we had judged of the pay-per-view as like, no, they've already like given up they've on given him. They've given up on him, yeah. So they just said about yeah. to get fucking the piss beat out of him by Rick Stein. And look, do you know what? Good. Well, like, look, we know it's not true. They haven't given up on him. Um, More on that and on. Uh, Hammer goes for the Cobra Clutch. Vamp charges him into the corner. Top rope crossbody for two. And then gets up and just rolls him up for three. Yeah. I was like, why did you have to go through that whole sequence? Why did you just roll him up out of nowhere? I, I was literally riding, flying crossbody, gets a near fall. And then I hear the fucking bell. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just... just don't do the crossbody. Just do the roll up. Yeah. Like the whole idea of the roll up is it's supposed to be a momentum shift and a surprise pin. But like Vampiro was on top of the match and rolled him up. Out and out of somewhere. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. <laughs> and Hammer then gets uh, his heat back. Yeah, yeah, it's especially dumb. As like, you may as well give like the cool pop of Vampiro doing the surprise roll up because then it justifies the heel being snapping and beating him down. But now it like it looks he just looks like a nerd Van Hammer because it looks like he was fairly beaten and still freaked out like it was a surprise. Mm-hmm. That's so you know? fucking dumb. Lays him out with the Cobra Clutch Sam that he was going to do anyway. We go straight into our second match. I know you were chomping at the bit for this one. Uh, the walking can of monster Rick Fuller versus Sick Boy. I, I have to mention, and this is a true to... I swear to God, this is true. 
Swear to God, bro. I I was looking online for a picture of Rick Fuller in that green gear because I have in my notes he's a walking kind of monster. Yeah. And (laughs) And I want to say about 40 minutes after I watched the match, I start getting Twitter notifications because you (laughs) had watched the match and made the exact same comparison. (laughs) And all I could think was that bastard found a picture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I actually just screenshot. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to. Um Yeah, so he was out here looking like a walking kind of monster, and Sick Boy was out here looking like Dov Ziggler had just served a nickel a hard time. Um I, I think I think he looks like, like a what's jacked, going on with Sick Boy? I think he looks like a jacked Steve Carino. He he now he looks way more like I actually did make a Roydy Carino is like my third line in here. That's so fucking <laughs> oh, fuck. freaky. <laughs> but like sick boy now like in terms of like the state of his gear the state of his hair the state of his face um, Jesus he, tell, tell us how you think uh, he looks n- way more like uh, like a burnout in a cult that he did when he was in the flock <laughs> Um. so yeah, there, there, there's something about the bleach blonde hair that just doesn't work for him it's yeah it's like but it's proper like disgusting Dirty, greasy, dyed blonde hair. Like, it's awful. He looked, he, awful. he does look like an extra from, uh, what's that fucking movie? Uh, Use your words. Break, Breakpoint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Ringo, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, how do you talk about another incredibly long match where absolutely nothing happens? Well, th- this is the match that I felt went well over 15 minutes this point is, break point break break point like, yeah, point break yes Sorry. <laughs> I was just like there's something bothering me about it. is that the name of the movie <laughs> point break yeah, yeah it's fucking late at night give me a break yeah, yeah. Um, John Moxley loves it that's all you need to know he sure does <laughs> um, Johnny Ringo baby <laughs> um, yeah well, like I don't have many notes on this like Rick Fuller for I don't know. Have you have you seen all the work Webcon has now put into uh, Rick Fuller's career <laughs> on, I mean, on Twitter because of this match? Yeah, there's, a, there's a niche for everyone, isn't there? <laughs> it's amazing. I, I feel like I feel like Webcon had the bit between his teeth because I saw you in the Discord when you were watching the show, and he was saying how it was him, wasn't it? The saying he was how entertained he was by it. Yeah. And you say it was you said something like you say entertaining, I say pathetic, and now he's got like a point to prove. <laughs> I think no, sorry, I think that was uh, somebody else came in and said, "Oh, it was so entertaining to see." Um, was it? No, that was the Van Hammer, wasn't it? Um, fuck, I'll have to go into the Discord. Hang on, I- I'll look it up while you're talking. I'll look it up while you're talking. Do do do. Um, but yeah, no, somebody was like, "Oh, they they lasted three minutes into the match." Because it was, I think, was a Fuller was trying to put on a Boston Crab. Yeah. Oh, yes, that oh was no, his, that it was Van Hammer. Was Van Hammer? Van Hammer trying to roll up Vampiro onto his back. Oh uh, yeah, that was the thing he said. Pathetic. Yeah. Too. Yes. Yes. Now I remember. It was pretty fucking pathetic. Yeah. But yeah, the the Discord channel has now been taken over by Webcon and his adventures of uh, Rick Fuller incredible it's it's incredible one that webcon has that dedication and secondly that aaron quinn didn't do that bit first well, aaron quinn has now discovered that webcon has gone down a rick fuller 
um, oh, rabbit hole. God. And what have we done to people? <laughs> like, like this is our legacy. <laughs> We've broken people so much so, that they're becoming Rick Fuller biographers. I, I am going to put it on record. I am expecting a DM from Erin at some stage tonight saying she has <laughs> discovered some low-level indie with Rick Fuller versus Sick Boy on it. Check out Aaron's new podcast, by the yes, way. Yes, do do check out Aaron's new podcast. Um, um, but yeah, no. Let's get to this match. We we're really like both matches now. We're trying so hard not to talk about them. They're fucking bad. What 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 is there to talk about? It's bad. Rick Fuller got a uh, win can, for no can reason. We, can we talk about the only pop I had in maybe the first half of the show? Did you notice um, the uh, the Nick Patrick moment when Rick Fuller goes for a pin? No. So you know the way Nick Patrick dramatically goes into place to count pinfalls? Yes. Yes. So uh, Rick Fuller goes for a pin near the ropes and Nick Patrick attempts to do like a, uh, not quite a chest slide, but like tries to slide over Mm. to get in place that he's definitely seen on the camera, but puts so much sauce into it that like he was 5% away from sliding himself under the ropes. Oh for God's sake. (laughs) Like it was just like, I didn't think he was going to stop for half a second. A true Kenny Powers moment. And this was like the first time the crowd made any noise in this whole show was to chant boring at this match. And they weren't wrong. Tanae, in a, an unusually jovial tone in the middle of this match, says how delighted he was to have Eric Bischoff back on commentary on Monday. And the Bisco's like, what are you talking about? Delighted. Um, but he says, um, in quite a foreboding pair of announcements that Dennis Rodman is returning to WCW oh, on Monday. Now, we did know this because I remember the last time Rodman wrestled, we looked up, so he has one match left and it is at the next next pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will have some, some Rodman going on. Uh, but the more significant in terms of the death rattle era of WCW announcement was coming to, as part of like whatever they're calling their summer the concert summer series on Nitro, the name escapes whatever, yeah. me. Yeah, uh, the insane clown posse who get completely no-sold by Larry Zbysko has no idea who the fuck they are. And unfortunately, Larry, we're all going to know who the insane clown posse are. What? Like, I, I, I don't know how ironically, but I do kind of like ICP in wrestling because it's just like, fuck it, why not? They, like, they, they, they I, I have to be say, one of the they, only acts in on the joke. They love wrestling and I'll always yeah. think that that's pretty cool that these guys are pretty big stars in their own right. Yeah, like we're like yeah, fucking put us on TV and somehow ended up on all three fucking shows. They were on Raw, they were on Nitro, they were on ECW. You know what's gonna happen during the uh, the ICP era of this show? Because I know our listeners. Somebody is gonna start sending us cans of Fago. Oh, for God's sake! (laughs) There's gonna be taste tests happening on this show. I know there is. I just know it. Um, and I just want you to prepare for that. But I, I, yeah, I'm kind of like, even though like they're the harbingers of okay, because I associate them with this like last year or two of WCW very firmly. Um, I am kind of entertained by them. Does Vampiro initially go with ICP? Yeah, they're like the Dark Carnival. No, well, that, that's two thousand. Yeah, yeah, but I think he goes with the ICP, and then the Misfits show up. And he goes off with them for a while. I know that the other act that gets announced on this, uh, pointing a direction of a very notorious future vampire yes. feud, is Kiss. Yes. 
<laughs> Which means Dale Torborg is currently getting a phone call. <laughs> uh, yeah, very forebodingly Kiss is announced for August 22nd or something like that. I think it was yeah. the late, late August anyway. So yeah. we're still about... Are we going to do that Nitro? People are hitting us up with every fucking Nitro going, yeah, yeah this happens on this show. This happens... Yes, we know. Is this is this where we should clarify our, our stance on the Knights of Nitro? Yes, let's. So, like, the idea behind Knights of Nitro, like, originally when we set up the podcast, we were never going to cover Nitro. Never, never, never. Uh, because the whole bit is thunder without the context of Nitro. But there are too many absolute clanger Nitros mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Like, you better be- like, I'm, I'm going to, like, pick three uh, out of my head that we still haven't done. It's like, you better believe we're doing Russo Reset yes, Nitro. 100%. You better believe we're doing War Games 2000. Yes. And you better believe, I swear to God, I will go in the grave before I take That's the Wall, Brother Nitro off the list. <laughs> That, that that moment was your Vietnam. That's what that was. The, <laughs> I say this in in the full knowledge of how it sounds. It's maybe one of my top ten moments in wrestling I know, history. I know That's it is. the wall, brother. I, know it is. I it happened twenty three years ago, and the degree to which I laugh every time has not decreased one bit. Um, but we will get to it. Yeah, look, look. There, there's a, a couple that are coming up that we're definitely gonna do. We're gonna do yeah. the Shane Douglas debut. Shane Douglas, because he he does play a big part in the organization going forward. Um, the the two we, I think we have coming up. Are, we have the 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 Russo debut, which is also the Jarrett debut. Yes, and I think we're going to. We had long since planned to do a simulcast on the Jericho Raw debut. Yes. Which I believe um, is also the return of Hogan in the red and yellow. Hmm. I think that's the same yeah. night. The thing, the thing about doing too many of them is one, it dilutes the bit mm-hmm. of like trying to figure out what's going on on Thunder. Um, the other thing is, um, like then we're just a, you know what I mean? Like just, why are we? Well, on days of Thunder, like it's just a WCW podcast then at that stage, and people have done the Nitro thing way better and way more in depth than we have. Uh, whereas nobody has done something as stupid as go through <laughs> this much thunder for this long. Um, I, I was actually thinking about this recently. Has anyone watched as much thunder as we have, even to this point? No, but well, maybe yeah, because like in as much depth, maybe not. Because like again, I watched most of the last like two and a half years of it willingly as a child, and now I'm rewatching all of it <laughs> sometimes multiple times per episode to get my notes it's a scary thought isn't it though i've spent i spent more of my life it, like in terms of like subject matter i talk about i've probably spent more time talking out loud and thinking about thunder than most things in my life <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> That's it's a complex one to unpack. <laughs> That's something you need to talk to your therapist about in a couple of years. Yeah. 
But but I guess uh, sorry, just like a, a final thing on the Knights of Nitro thing is like for these Nitros where like maybe a cool thing happens or there's like a moment and stuff, especially when there's like three era Nitros still, I don't feel like there's that justification unless it's like a seismic Nitro, mm-hmm. um, to go over there and do that, um, and also more often than not, we'll end up having to rewatch the full segment on Thunder anyway. That is true. That that's also the the biggest point of all is we like as much as we rag on the whole idea of what the yeah. fuck is going on in this company when it's a taped thunder they generally just fill it with nitro yeah i think what i'm gonna do I, I think maybe what i'll do is to kind of like because i know some of our listeners do want some more of the nitro stuff i think maybe what we will do is if there's a thunder that happens after something significant happens on nitro and then they don't show it to us on thunder we might look up the segment okay do you know what I mean? Like, say if there's like, I can't remember if he comes if he comes into the company on Nitro or Thunder when Candido shows up. Yes. If people really wanted us to cover Candido's debut and it happened on Nitro, I think or Candido's debut was the relaunch anyway. But I could be wrong yeah, on that. That's what I think. But, yeah. Hey, I have um, a, same with Mike, Mike Awesome, Lance Storm, a couple of those people that people really like I, and are significant latter day WCW figures. I have a suggestion. Yeah patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod TRI level you can pay us to watch a Nitro that's true for five Europeans you can get access to the uh, all the premium pods and at the TRL tier which is uh, a bit more expensive uh, you can request and we will watch whether it's in the timeline or not we'll watch whatever show within reason if, if it's something so if say it's a Nitro from 1997 that's no problem Nitro from 1998 that's fine if it's a Nitro from 1999 once it's not something right now or something in the future yeah. that's fine yeah yeah but if yeah. it's something that's in the past yeah we will absolutely go back and watch it yeah yeah if it if it fucks with the chronology we might ask it to pick again mm-hmm. um if it's something we've yet to cover um because we kind of want to react to these things as they emerge yes. on the show um once again a fantastic effort by us to not talk about this match um i thought we'd finish talking about have... this match I have very few notes. Sick Boy does a few slaps, gets shoved uh, over and over away from uh, Rick Fuller. Sick Boy goes up top. He fights off Fuller, uh, but Fuller comes back, redoubles his efforts. It's so funny. I have never heard a move as cool as a one-handed powerbomb off the top getting no reaction. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> and why should they? How do you make a one-handed powerbomb off the top rope boring? They fucking managed it. I put Rick Fuller in the match. That's how. They certainly did. They certainly did. Ironic that he looks like a kind of monster because he just put everyone to sleep. Uh, we next get a six-man tag team match. Dave Taylor, Fit Finley, and Stephen Regal versus the No Limit Soldiers of BA Chase and Swole with a absolute wedge of human 4x4 on the outside. International warfare uh, <laughs> is happening here. And... To the credit of the No Limit Soldiers, who I do not enjoy these three men in the ring, they were getting big reactions during this. Yeah, they they kind of were, which is odd, considering I thought the No Limit Soldiers got very muted reactions on the pay-per-view. Yeah, Birmingham, Alabama, No Limit Soldier country. Who knew? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network if i could have a moment of your time i'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors eufy video lock eufy video lock is a smart lock a 2k camera and a doorbell all three in one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through 
the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally, and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Um. They immediately cut, if you didn't already know this was taped, they immediately cut to Finley's trophy presentation on Monday where the first family beat him down and Jimmy Hart stole the trophy. Which is funny because like Jimmy Hart was one of the people that was like orchestrating the hardcore invitational. So could have either rigged it or stolen the trophy on the night or just like not had a match and like made a trophy for himself. Yeah, and also the trophy was fucking horrendous. So why would you yeah, want yeah. it? It's awful. I, if I was Dave Finley, I'd be like, thank you. Um. So yeah, Jimmy stole the trophy. Finley now has to wrestle Chase at the start of this match. Who the fuck did he piss off? Um. There's a point here. I didn't catch what exact move it happened on, but for the second match of this show, I think somebody might have got potatoed. Uh, Chase must have hurt Finley because at one point he nearly decapitates this man with a lariat. He does. Um, like, it's not the usual Finley slug, snug lariat. This is, I'm teaching this fucker a lesson, lariat. And if, Joa, for, for all their faults, if there's a team of three guys I don't want to piss off, it's David Finley, Stephen Regal, and Dave Taylor. Because if they yeah. get you on that mat, they will fucking hurt you. Never piss off Darren from HR. That's a rule. Um, and I wrote, like... It, I, I will say, um, so Swole does a, a hot tag, and it's the same Swole hot tag you've seen before, where everybody's just feeding into him, and he's kind of mostly standing still. Dave, did, but did, did you know that Swole can do a clothesline? I did. I did know that. Uh, keen observers will note. Um, but one thing I did enjoy during his hot tag phase was... Um, Stephen Regal's like staggering backwards, cowering away from Swole was very cartoony and fabulous. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, they are getting a big reaction. Um, I did like how even WCW doesn't give a fuck about BA because he tags in and they immediately went to a break. Oh, man. And do you know what? BA looks like fucking shit. Like yeah. he, he like this. I don't. I don't know who thought this was a good idea. But man, does he just not look good at all? Um, in the in in the two years of Thunder, he's aged like fifteen. Yeah, it's it's not. And look, healthy. being backstage in this company, I imagine it's not conducive to a healthy life. But you know, yeah, it, 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 he looked bad. Um, Did, I I, I can't tell you one thing. I have decided. 
Yeah. Swole should be spelled out in all capitals. Sonata-esque. He's just swole. Good, like Kenta. Yeah. <laughs> swole. Yeah. I'll go for that. If you agree with me that now Stu Grayson has to go by STU. I was trying to get that going on the pre-pre-show stream <laughs> and you're having none of it. Nah. It... If you're wrestling ELP and your name also has three letters in it, you have to pronounce it that way. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, STU did the J-O-B, so does he really care? Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Uh, Regal and BA scrapping. BA get the better of him until... Um, Oh, yeah, I did like this. So uh, B.A. is getting the better of Regal and he has him in a hot tag. And just a little clever wrestling thing is that he's got him in a headlock and he's walking him over to the No Limit Soldier's corner. And Regal, rather than uh, focus all his attention on fighting off the headlock, knows that like if I start getting trapped in the corner, I'm fucked here. So he just lashes out a roundhouse kick to the two lads on the apron, which causes them to pull their hands back. So now B.A. can't make the tag. Yeah, very clever. Which I, a little, mm-hmm. just a little bit of cleverness in an incredibly dull latch. Um, so t- Taylor comes in and again, who did B.A. piss off? Because Taylor just stretches this man. Just disfiguring him like like he's a ball of play-doh it, it's one of these wrestling things that makes sense if you kind of think non kayfabe about it but why is the experienced wrestler being beaten down while the two muscle heads with no experience are on the apron yeah it just like it's one of those things that you have to be aware of what's going on because if you think logically yeah. about it, you'd be like man this guy just must be really shit uh, one thing I want to put over Dave Taylor huge for is he hits really nice snug looking forearms. He does. There's a bit where BA has him in an arm ringer and he's fighting out of it with the or no, sorry, he he has him he has BA in an arm ringer and BA is trying to get out and he's just forearm, mm-hmm. forearm, forearm, and they are right in close. They're really, really good. Um Larry says something incredibly creepy uh here. Um I don't know how to don't know how to take this. It's like Larry turned into a Cenobite for a moment because he said wherever the body has the most pleasure, it also has the most pain. Oh Jesus, I missed that, thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Horrifying. Fuck. <Ugh>. Yeah. <laughs> so, Larry Zabisco, star of the next Hellraiser movie. Um Another swole hot tag and the match breaks down. B.A. whips Taylor into Swole's heart punch. And in fairness, Dave Taylor sold this heart punch like he'd been shot with a sniper he, he rifle. He really did. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'll give them credit. I thought that looked really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, if he could have figured out a way to, like, or, like uh, that he could, like, get soot on his face and blow his hair back <laughs> as he took the bump from this. <laughs> like, that's, he would have done that. Something from weird science, like, just... Whoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a heart punch just blows his clothes off. <laughs> um, you get naked Dave Taylor before naked Midian. Uh, I did think it was funny, though, that BA had to be like, okay, pin him. <laughs> you had to walk over to him and like, yeah, stop, stop selling that you did it, pin him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, now I'm just thinking of like what a top ten WCW moment to be. Like if everyone goes, do you remember the time Swole Hart punched a man so hard his pants fell off? <laughs> that that top fifty <laughs> OMG moments on WWE yeah. network would be totally different. Like, you know when everyone talks about Undertaker choke slamming Terry Funk out with shoes, like <laughs> it's just a slightly more lewd version of that. <laughs> Fucking uh, hell. Okay, so No Limit Soldiers win. 
Uh, we go back to Nitro, uh, Sting confronting Flair. He says, Flair, you held me back 10 years ago and you're st- and I'm still here. He's sorry he let Dean Malenko do the talking and fight the battles for WCW against Ric Flair lately. He wants control and he wants it tonight. Lays down the challenge. Uh, so what Flair decides upon is a match with gormless idiot David Flair. Uh, where, again, I love that Flair has control and is under no obligation to put control of the company on the line ever he does. in a match. He could just say no, but he keeps doing it. I, I, uh, I did so, like Flair had one line where, like, yes, yeah, things like, I want control tonight. And Flair's like, yeah, you and my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just thought, that's funny. Yeah, he, uh, so he sets up the and again the the one bit I do like is the running thing of that no matter what Flair is doing one of his objectives is for somebody to slap his son around. A yeah, little bit. this is getting weird. So instead of going, yeah, I'll wrestle you, he goes, no, you have to beat my son to get to me. Um, so he taps out David Flair. Fast forward, he taps out David Flair with Scorpion Deadlock. Uh, but Little Nate won't call the tap. Sting beats up Flair and the entire crew. Uh, Sting continues his trend from the pay-per-view of Stinger splashing women as Flair uses Asia as a human shield. That's four women in 24 hours. <laughs> Good old uh, Christian Steve has uh, turned over yeah, a new yeah. leaf here. Oh, who, who could have seen it coming? We move then into... WCW United States Heavyweight Title Match: David Flair with Asia and Rick did, did, uh, versus did, Bobby Eaton. I just wrote, "What the fuck?" Okay, I know it's ridiculous that it's Bobby Eaton, but did you notice the continuity error from the pay per view? Uh, is it to do with his shorts? No, I noticed that his short. So his shorts were, uh, his shorts were long. Sorry, no, his shorts were distressingly short before the pay per view. And during the pay-per-view. But on this show, that also happened before the pay-per-view. Now he's got the same shorts, but they're much longer. I did notice that. And presumably next week they're going to go back to short shorts, okay. which I don't know. <laughs> I did not notice that. Uh, no, there is no Tory with David. Oh, uh, yeah. Even though it happens the same night they record. She's in the building. Yeah. Great stuff. So they obviously had no plan up until the pay-per-view where David was like, yeah, I want Tory Wilson with me. Yeah two lines here where I've never related to Mike Tanay and Larry Zbysko more uh, Larry Zbysko calls him David Deer in the Headlights Flair which is just like one step short of my he constantly looks like he's about to cry mm-hmm. so I uh, thank you Larry for the validation on that one and Tanay with the most accurate burial of a man yet seen on this show says an absolute disgrace to the United States heavyweight title he's not wrong <laughs> no he's not wrong at all um, can we talk about David Flair's wrestling just for a moment it's bad. He, like, he genuinely seems to struggle with even the most basic of things. Did we have the discussion yet, or did we... I, we might have had the discussion between us, but not asked listeners. Is he the worst... The failed son? ...son or rela- relation of a successful and good wrestler ever? He's definitely... I think we have had this conversation. Uh, he, yeah. He's definitely, for me, a top three failed son. In terms of the scale of drop-off... Like, there might be guys who are worse wrestlers, but their dads weren't as good as Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Like, I know uh, people are saying, like, I don't watch NXT anymore. People are saying The Rock's daughter ain't got it. Oh, God, she doesn't. For example. But you know what I mean? Like, even The Rock at his peak wasn't Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen her wrestle. 
I doubt she's as bad as David Flair. I think either. she's only David Flair is. Le- I think she's only yeah. had like two matches because she's legit that bad. Yeah, she's also like blown out both knees. She was one of the people that like is on that list of women who keep tearing ACLs. Yeah, well, so that and uh, have you have you seen there was a report recently in the Athletic about why women are more prone to uh, tearing their ACLs? Like it was more talking about football than than wrestling, obviously. No, no, I'd like to hear that because that's something that like a lot of people in wrestling Twitter have been talking about. Because I think like in developmental, there's eight of them out with ACL injuries at the but, moment or something crazy. But like obviously, that. everything they're doing in the PC is totally fucking opposite of what they should be doing and that's why they're having yeah. literally as you say eight women at once out with torn ACLs yeah I wouldn't be surprised as well as if like oh well I'd be le- I'd be less surprised when it was in the Bill DeMott era but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the like cause you know like wor- proper intense workouts should be finely tuned to the individual mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised to learn if, like, a lot of the reps they do are, like, tuned for the musculature of, a, like, a 6'4", 240 man. It's literally fucking John Cena's workout on a fucking board. And, yeah, everyone has yeah, to match yeah. this. Clanging and banging. Because, yeah. like, there was that phase as well where the men were all going out with shoulder injuries about five years yeah, ago. It's amazing that? how they go through these fucking periods, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um... Bobby looks as confused as I am uh, by his presence on this show uh, and by the just whatever you want to call David Flair. Uh, this match doesn't last very long. It's the it's the exact pattern of every single David Flair match so far. And one of the things I'm getting really annoyed about with this is, right, if the idea, like apart, take out the storyline element and stuff like that, if part of the idea is we need to give David Flair reps so that he might get better, why, when you finally have him wrestle somebody that knows what they're doing, like Bobby Eaton, do you just follow the pattern of exactly every match he's been doing so far? Like, he's... Not only does everybody hate this angle, not only is he not over, not only is the story just spinning in, like, like wheels in the mud, just spinning, 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 not moving anywhere... But he's not learning anything either. It it's it's amazing. Like I'd I'd have to go check Cage Match and see was he working house shows. But yeah, I, I fully agree with you. If it's a case of oh well, you know, he needs to get better and we just need to keep him on TV and have him on TV every week. Like they're not actually yeah. doing anything with them to enable him to improve. Um Yeah. It it's funny, like the they should have seen like the moment they put him on TV this kid is lost. I don't care if it's Ric Flair's yeah. son. No, yeah, yeah. But, like, it, because it's Ric Flair's son, shouldn't you be, like, putting in your best efforts to try and, like, help him out here? But also, this is WCW and the management of the company actively hate Ric Flair, so... Yeah. So he's yet to wrestle a house show at this For stage. For sake. So he starts wrestling a house, sh- house shows at the end of this month. He does a loop with Bagwell. Oh my god, why? Yeah, and then he does, uh, then he's doing a couple of matches with Benoit. Okay, and look, it seems to be after Benoit wrestles him on TV, so the reverse order of how you usually would do it. Look, Benoit, Malenko, Douglas, fucking, there's countless people on in the company, Bobby Eaton. Fucking, oh, there's so many people they could put him against. 
Marcus Bagwell is one I just saw a match that we have coming up by the end of the year for him. David Flair versus Kimberly at Mayhem. (laughs) I don't know if your screen is frozen or you've had a stroke. (laughs) It's only five minutes, but... Mercifully, this appears to be his last Thunder match until December. What? <laughs> yeah. So we he's got a couple of Nitro matches, a few house show matches, and he's on like two or three pay-per-views. So they have a taped show, which would be ideal for the guy that has no fucking presence. Yeah. And they don't have him on it. No. They have him on the live show when he's wrestling on TV. Do you want to take a guess as to when his... Uh, his last match was like in all of wrestling yes 2006 2009 oh okay uh wait till you hear this nwa mid-atlantic david flair and ricky morton okay defeat ricky nelson and buff bagwell david flair and buff bagwell intrinsically linked apparently yeah <laughs> we're destined to do this forever <laughs> some of the some of the post uh some of the post wcw matches are wild jesus christ i did not know or maybe i suppressed that he did a tour of all japan he didn't in 2005 so post wwe he shared a ring with he shared a ring with Toshiaki Kawada. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. He teamed with Muso. I can see that. Okay, do will I will I give you his all Japan matches cuz like I I I hate I hate talking about him wrestling. How, how many is there? Uh we've got Six. Okay, go on. Give us a six then. One of them. One of them is a battle royal, um, and I will give you the names in it. So I don't know how many of these people he actually directly interacted with, but this is one of the kind of like, could you imagine that he was in the room with some of these people? But uh, so we had uh, in the sixteen man battle royal. This is the the second of January two thousand and five at the New Year Shining series. Uh, Suwama won, uh, defeating uh, Akira Rajin, Bull Buchanan, D'Lo Brown. David Flair, Jamal, Johnny Stamboli, Keiji Muto, Kensuke Sasaki, Love Machine Storm, Nobuzaku Hirai, uh, Nobutaka Oraya, Satoshi Kojima, <laughs> Taiokia, Tomoaki Hanma, and Toshiaki Kawada. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Then, um, the same night, <laughs> he wrestled again. Uh, Mazada and Nasawa defeated David Flair and Sambo Oishi. Then we had uh, a couple of days later Johnny Stamboli and Taru defeating David Flair and Keiji Muto. Uh, then we had Aro and D, Jamal Taiokea and Taka Michinoku defeating David Flair, Kaz Hayashi and Keiji Muto. Uh, then we had David Flair and Toshizo defeating Mazada and Taka Michinoku. Uh, finally, his last All Japan match, uh, David Flair and Toshizo defeating Akira Raijin and Kaz Hayashi. That was 15 minutes, that last one. 
Oh my god! I, I, that's incredible. Aaron's gonna have to do a deep dive in David Flair's career. Yeah, and he had the he had that one dark match against Regal then in two thousand and six. Oh six, he was still getting dark matches. A dark match on velocity, like when you're on a velocity dark match. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's he he wrestled Dory Funk Junior in two thousand and four. And here's the thing: who was slower, Dory or David? This is so fucking good, man. He spent like loads of 2003 in Puerto Rico. That was his. Wasn't he like in developmental in 0203? Uh, yeah, because he's got like some 03 dark matches here. So that could have been like WWE. He's still under contract going to Puerto Rico then. He is in early 2003, he's in Impact. What? Yeah. Uh, he has some explosion matches. Holy shit. Um, God, there's some great... I, I want to get Garrett on to talk about some of these matches. David Flair and Mike Sanders defeat Jerry Lynn and Ron Killings. I, I just don't have <laughs> words anymore. D'Lo Brown, Dusty Rhodes and Jeff Jarrett defeat Brian Lawler, David Flair and Eric Watts. <laughs> Oh my god, it's all the fail sons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, back to this match, I guess. Um Flair is on the apron trying to bribe Bobby Eaton. Um and Bobby takes some of his money, puts it in his his tights, and then he starts like they basically break, like, they, they destroy kayfabe here, the commentators, because now they're like, oh, now he's working his stomps. Yeah. He's not really he's not, he's not really working look like yeah. he is. It's fake, guys. Um, So more money on offer, then Eaton gets him on top. Asia jumps on David to try and, like, be a human shield, as she was on Monday with Steve Stinger. But then, this was so fucking weirdly, because, so she's trying to defend David, but then Flair comes in and drags David out from underneath her, and then Asia just still lies there and is like, yeah, come on, hit me. I mean, she just like, wants some action. I mean... Uh, yeah, there's, there's no reason for her to stay there. Also, Larry Zbysko, as classy as he always is, describes Asia as that thing. Yeah. When she comes yeah, in. Yeah, not good. Great work, Larry. Uh, she low blows a Bobby, but this is really funny because she clearly blew the spot, but WCW editors did not want to edit it out because she had to do it again because the point of doing the low blow was that she also punched Flair in the dick. Um... Then David pins Bobby Eaton in the figure four as Flair goes down. Fucking awful. Horrendous. Just fucking move on. Yeah, as we will. Uh, Back to Nitro. Conan beating the crap out of Vampiro. Vampiro beating the crap out of him. Uh, Commentators putting over their rivalry in Mexico. Uh, (laughs) Johnny Boone. I love this. This is an all-time Tony and Brain were switched off moment on Nitro. Johnny Boone calls for a DQ. And they're like, what? Why is this a double count out? What's going on? Literally, Vampiro had just yeah, moved a chair he, in Conan's face. Literally, like two seconds previous. It was one of the most blatant DQs I've ever seen in my life. And they're like, what is this? Fucking, up, fucking uppity referees here. <laughs> yeah, you have monocles and the champagne flutes over it. Like uh, Later, you see Kidman fuck himself up on the ropes off a shooting star press. Uh, rolls up Regal and Bischoff counts the yeah, pin. Yeah, Bischoff came in to check on Kidman. Yeah. And then just, he's an official now. 
So, like, what's his role? Like, it's just such an ill-defined, what is Bischoff's actual He's Eric role Bischoff, the general, the uh, He's Eric what's Bischoff. His fucking, what's his exec- executive role or whatever, was there, whatever they were calling Wanker. Him. Well. Uh, Booker then, so skip forward again. Booker being beaten down by the triad and Stevie Ray comes out to make the oh, same huge no. reaction. All I can think is, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a big T coming, my friend. <sighs> And if you think what they say about Asia is bad, wait till you see Midnight. Yeah. Uh, but huge reaction for the, like, yeah, much Har- as we Har- don't Har- like Har- Stevie. Har- people, yeah. people really want Harlem Heat. And in fairness, like, they've held the two of them apart for so Except long. Except when they tease putting them back together for three months. Yes, yes. Uh, but they've ne- the thing is, they've never actually pulled the trigger, which is very unlike mm-hmm. them. Do you know I mean Sting is the one thing they never like? They actually held their patience on, but they remarkably held for a long time on doing an actual Harlem Heat match. But yeah, anyway, we'll talk more about that. Unfortunately, uh, we get a singles match up next: uh, Mikey Whipwreck versus Kidman. This is in fact the final televised Mikey Whipwreck match in WCW. So his final match chronologically, as we discussed on the pay per view, was the Hardcore Invitational. He's gone after that. But he had taped this match against Cole, uh, against Kidman, which is not very good. Yeah, I thought this match fucking stunk. Yeah, both men capable of more. Like they had a really um, good match on the pay per view. What was it? Um, Uncensored, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, yes, his uh, uh, Whipwreck's first yeah, match wasn't it? Or yeah, was Uncensored or Spring Saturday? Was one of the one of the early pay per views. Um, mm. And yeah, Mikey just shows up unannounced, and they have a really mm. good cruiserweight style match. Yeah, so we know they're capable of doing more. And I think they had the idea, the seed for a good match, which was like, he can't hang with Kidman in the ring. So he's going to drag it down into the mud, bring him out and scrap. But it's just soulless. Yeah, just, just, like, there's just no energy to, to it, it at all, I thought. Yeah. Um, so Mikey ha- also takes a lot of this match, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, stretching and beating Kidman around. Uh, there's a brief change of momentum where Kidman grips the ropes on a Frankensteiner attempt and hits a crossbody. Then there's the powerbomb reversal into the face buster, as you might expect, and then a shooting star press where he also kind of clips the ropes a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mm, not, not, a, not a great week for one Billy Kidman. No. Uh, uneventful match, though, uh, with the exception of Mikey's gone now. And I feel like, I suppose, to kind of... Um, say goodbye to Mikey from the podcast. Um, I feel like he's a guy, you know, we talked about his gear at length that one time. Um, but in terms of like his ability and the the potential to capitalize on someone with a bit of a cult following, they definitely could have done more with this guy. Yeah, I, I think that he didn't need to be a pushed act per se, but he, he no. he's a guy they could have put out there in TV title matches or something like that and just kind of had a consistent presence on the show, say. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think his look definitely held him back in WCW. And he his look yeah. actually does get a refresh when he returns to ECW. Yeah. You could have even, like, because, you know, Bischoff never won to not steal from Paul Heyman. Uh, he, he like he could have just run back the Cactus Jack thing and just paired yeah. him with somebody, somebody bigger and better, and just had Mikey do the the coward gimmick again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would have like again, it, you know, if it gets over once, it'll probably get over again. Um, in front of this audience, but anyway, 
Uh, we go back to Monday and Savage challenges anyone but Kevin Nash. And this is so funny because everybody, as you would rightly expect, given what had happened on the previous Nitro, chanted Goldberg. What the fuck? I was like, oh, you poor sons of bitches. Like, you shouldn't. You, It's so stupid to go challenge anyone because that's immediately the jump everyone's going to make. It's either Goldberg or Brett. Yeah, like, literally just have Hogan come out and challenge Savage. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, like the, it was so Savage he, that cost Hogan the title. Remember the four way? Yeah, yeah. Like the the logic um, was there. Yeah. He says, I'm gonna challenge anyone but Kevin Nash. Um he says, I've got Nash's number and his number is zero. Uh Hogan comes out, accepts the match. We go to the we go to a match later, Nash pulls the ref out, uh powerbomb Savage, Hogan covers it's such a like it's so funny it's such a like shitty way to win a title but all big terry cares about is having his belt uh, uh, yeah, back all he wants is belt. i feel like it's it's i feel like it's spared savage a little bit it's just funny that nash just politicked his way over doing a job to hogan um genius but I think the most egregious thing for me personally was the fact that Hogan had the Wolfpack music. Oh yeah, because we're still we're he's taking that we're as still well. doing the thing where Hogan's in the Wolfpack now, not the NWO yeah. black and white. Yeah, I wonder like how soon he shows up on Thunder again. It's I wouldn't be holding my I breath. Don't like if we never got another Hogan appearance, would you be surprised? No, no, I wouldn't. Um. So yeah, there's a great bit here where like Nash is trying to go for something in his promo, and like it confuses he, he me and it confuses Hogan. Like. He goes, "I thought it was safe to get back in the water, but then I realized the shark came back in the tank, which prompts the hilarious unintentional line from Hogan. What does that mean, brother? Like I get what what Nash was saying. It was very too fucking shooty. I think." It's just yeah. like, yeah, 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 I thought I could, you know, be a star, but now fucking Hogan's back and I gotta take a back seat. Yeah. But yeah. it's then after that where Nash is like, and I challenge you and it's gonna be up to you. It came off in the vein of like uh, Savage from the other week shouting down the phone at Nash. is like, I don't know where that is, but I'll be there. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like... Just angry confusion. Nash was doing all he could not to just say road wild. Yeah, so Nash says what it means is this, you and me for that title, no joke, no lay down, you and me finally for that title. It's like, oh, we're all chomping at the bit. Also, I think like it's one of those things where the trust is so destroyed in the company at this stage. Is like if I was, I can't imagine that even at the age of 10 watching this, I was thinking anything but they're just going to do another finger poke. Or the fact that that match is not going to happen at the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, fun times. Anyway, um, we we should they do mention that, don't they? Around now that, that I think that it's, it's signed and sealed for Road literally Wild. two minutes into the fucking into the tag team title match. Yeah. Speaking of which, main event world tag team title: the Triad versus the West Texas Rednecks. Uh, this is the 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 peak of the audio issues in this show oh, as God. the commentary team is completely blown out by DDP's theme. It's so bad. Like, literally so bad. Um, what did you think of DDP's promo where he calls out Fabio as world champ? 
uh, it made me think of one of the funniest images that has ever been captured by a camera. Do you know the one I'm speaking of? Have you seen the image of Fabio where he's on a roller coaster and (laughs) a bird flies into his face and explodes? I haven't, but I'm literally going to look it up now. (laughs) Just Fabio bird and you're going to see it's just him covered in feathers and blood. It shouldn't be funny. Fabio Bird roller coaster. Yeah. Let me just... <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <sighs> so, anyone mentions Fabio, that's something not... But there has been a running theme in WCW of people constantly referring to... Um... Well, no, it was DDP calling out Nash. Yeah, but that no, it, it, uh, Nash has been referred to as Fabio yeah. several times by, by heels. It's just um, funny that, so that I don't know what Nash about. is now champion two champions ago. Yeah. And oh I get yeah, I didn't even think about that, calling out Nash when yeah. on TV he's already lost the belt. Fucking hell, yeah. This is the this whole keeping track with the timeline on a tape thunder is more difficult than it seems. Do you know what I, I was overtaken by, apart from the image of a bird exploding on Fabio's face, uh was hey, do you know what we'll get uh, a Birmingham, Alabama crowd up after watching two straight Thunder tapings where the crowd is clearly dead. A heel versus heel main event where the rules of who's in the match are ill-defined. I don't think it was ill-defined. It was more, I need a break. You step on the apron. Yeah. But it like it purported for 20 seconds to be a tag match. And then like just everybody else gets just involved. It, like They weren't all standing on the apron. Just a six-man tag. Nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, Canyon is just allowed to tag in. Uh, so yeah, this is so they try to rationalize it on commentary, but then that falls apart because it's like, oh, the triad are allowed to tag in as they please, because, even in a two versus two because they're yeah, mates because Flair gives them the, the 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 freedom to do what they want with the tag titles. But like thirty seconds later, the rednecks are allowed to yeah, do it because heels. That's why. So now what we've got is a heel versus heel handicap four on three match. Where the heels that are pals with the evil president are at a numerical disadvantage, and thus the relative baby faces. Yeah. And the match is it's bad. So bad. It's literally it's, it's, killing time. It's the most disappointed I am in all the bad matches on this show because there are a number of people in this match that know better and can do better. I have a question for you what Is, is Barry Windham wearing fisherman's overalls? It does seem like he's just missing the galoshes. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, I just picture that they went to like a sporting goods store one day when they started doing the rapper's crap thing and he's just like, Yeah, yeah, that one. Like there, there's way too many pockets on his overalls not to be something yeah. functional. Gloves have to go as oh, well, man. The gloves are so bad. The gloves are so bad and they haven't been a gimmick this whole time. Do you know what I mean? Like he brought it in as a gimmick, but now it's just like just the gloves he wears. Mm-hmm. Um, so paint by numbers so bland so boring um, the match sort of breaks down with DDP and Wyndham outside but it's funny because like the commentary and the two, and DDP and Wyndham are acting like the match is breaking down but none of the lads are actually arsed no, running into the cares. ring and doing the breakdown spot uh, and I'll tell you what least of all in terms of who's arsed me um, then it actually does break down and just as the crowd starts to go okay maybe something could happen here ref calls for a DQ 
like it's so fucking dumb yeah because they do a phantom tag spot now bear in mind yes. tags have not mattered in this match at all or in this company um and yeah they do a phantom tag spot involving the rednecks and then mm-hmm. literally just all the rednecks get into the ring and the referee goes oh well this is too much and we get a dq it's so fucking dumb. diabolical. They all just keep brawling. Um, rednecks go up the ramp uh, in retreat, and the show ends with a commercial for Nitro. Absolute piss. Awful. Like, genuinely a fucking horrendous episode of television. It's one of the worst ones we've, yeah. we've ever like watched. It- because, again, it's not like... There was no funny bad stuff. It was all just boring bad or bad And there was bad. no effort from the wrestlers either. Like sometimes yeah. on a bad show, yeah, we've talked about this. You'll get a a cruiserweight match that for some reason yeah. they actually the, the wrestlers care about. Yeah, or you'll get a feeling that they're trying, but it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Not tonight. No one wanted to do anything, and no one did do anything, and it's just profoundly disappointing. Like some of these matches, like those first couple of matches, like you were never going to get anything good out of them. But like a, a Mikey and a Kidman. Some of the people that are in this main event, you're like, do something. Something remotely interesting. Like, and let, let, Bob, let Bobby um, Eaton take down David Flair and fucking teach him how to wrestle for five minutes. Like, make something interesting yeah. of it. If you're killing time, why not do that? At least serve a purpose with your time killing. Anyway, I don't think this is going to be too surprising to anybody. But Lee, would you like to give us your overall thoughts on the show? Winners and losers. I think the show sucked, like, real bad. Um, Like, we've had some bad second half of the tapings. This is by far the worst. You you just have to look at who they've put out on the show. Like, Sick Boy, Rick Fuller, fucking Mikey Ripwreck. Guys have, these guys have no fucking place being on the show. Swole and Chase Tatum actually having a match and getting the biggest reaction is just mental to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, winners and losers I don't know Vamp got a win I suppose uh, I guess he can be the winner and loser <laughs> the biggest loser in the whole company at the moment is a fucking macho wins the belt and then drops it to fucking Terry yeah god almighty and I wouldn't I wouldn't mind but Nash is the one that costs Savage and it's straight from that to Nash wants Hogan yeah of course. Of course. Uh, your finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Six matches, four clean finishes, shockingly. Uh, w- one DQ and one interference leading directly to a finish. This, I am thankful this one is in the books. This one is done. And now we're back on the regular rotation. Lee, uh, what has been happening over at Patreon and uh, what's coming up next week for anybody who might be interested at throwing five Europeans to us at largemanappears.com? Last weekend, I did a lonely audio. It was kind of a brief one because life sometimes has a way of getting in in the way with things that are planned. Um, All right, Dr. Dr. Ian Malcolm over here. So there was an abbreviated lonely audio. Coming up next week, we will have the long-anticipated TRL episode of Backlash 2002. Um, I feel like Suit is just going to attack us if we postpone Suit it again. Most, <laughs> and he'd be Suit right to. the most patient man in the world and also a great writer. So go check out his work on voiceofwrestling.com. Um, I tried to suck up and all now. his work on The Observer on uh, 
Yeah. FRW. A legend and a friend of the um, show. But yeah, uh, so we have that coming up next week. Then we will have another regular Thunder and following mm. the Backlash show, we haven't got anything specific planned, I don't think, have we? Uh, I think I do, but I don't want okay, to say it yet. Yeah. Dave's keeping me in the dark because I can't remember. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, look, there's plenty there. There's a great back catalogue. We've done so many shows on so many different topics and it's well worth it's the best value five five Europeans as Dave like to say. Yeah. Now that we're now that we're all back in order, the proper structure of the Patreon will probably be back now that it's 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 not just me putting out stuff and I don't have to try and rely on guests all and, the time. And um I, so you're I getting got, I got a sorry. slight tease for you all. I do have an idea for yep. another draft. Hello. But we've got a the draft is one of our shows. We've got three pieces of premium audio that will come out every month now that we're back in the swing of things i'll be getting back on board with doing my match of the year spreadsheet tracking every month i'll be getting back on board with posting my ha- my hand typed show notes uh at the start of every month as well i think i'll start that back like at the this weekend which is i usually do it at the end mm-hmm. of the month and do the spreadsheet in the middle of the month um and then any other dumb idea that comes to mind whether it's a, a pre-pre-show or or whatever else um so yeah definitely plenty of value for money over there and, and we might we'll see what we can work out we might do something all in weekend yeah there's going to be a lot of like the, well firstly both of us will be together yeah. for the first time in many years uh, in person uh, secondly there's going to be a lot of friends of the show floating mm-hmm. around I've thought of the idea of doing like a travelogue podcast for the Patreon um, there, there, there'll be something in the works we'll, we'll start something yeah 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 some of some ideas he's cooking something mm-hmm. up uh, but anyway thank you for listening to episode 71 of Days of Thunder one that I very much hope you didn't watch the show uh, to listen for God's to the sake, podcast do not watch more. the show just listen to us talk about it uh, I, it's too late. Alan Forel is it's the middle of 2025, and Alan Forel has finally caught up to episode 71 and watched that. That I'm so sorry, Alan. I'm Alan so won't sorry. listen to reason. He's insane. What can we do? If I've if I've invented time travel in the next couple of years, if I've gotten an Orlando Jordan's time machine, I'll go back and stop you from watching this one. Uh, fingers crossed. Anyway. Uh, We'll see you in a week behind the paywall in two weeks here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. But until then, good luck, stay safe. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. To keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us, you can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Can you hear the thunder?
Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.